This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another day of sports podcast. I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilchrist. I apologize if I'm sounding a little more nasally than usual. Unfortunately, I'm fighting a cold here. So Money Mike will be carrying the podcast. Mike, are you happy to be back now that I'm back from my tropical vacation and uh, my extensive time off? Yeah, no, it's it, it's great to be back. Uh, how was the trip in Hawaii? Have, do you have fun? I'm sure you had fun. It was the experience of a lifetime for sure. Lived up to the hype was worth the money would recommend to anybody um as long as you have the funds because it is by far the most expensive tropical vacation you'll ever go on there's no all-inclusive resorts there's no cheap meals it's all expensive but it's worth it awesome great to hear i'm glad you guys had a great time and i'm glad to be back i will say one of the things that was interesting uh hearing about your experience is that because of the time difference just to take it to a sports conversation if you live in hawaii year-round if you wake up at seven in the morning, that's when the one o'clock games start, right? Do I have that right? It's 7 a.m.? That is correct. And it was so, very weird. We were watching so, Monday night football at two o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> so it's like, you know, I actually would, I would become a morning person for that very reason if that was the case, because, you know, you wake up at seven, you wake up at six, you watch your pregame show, whether you're a Fox guy or a CBS guy, or maybe ESPN or NFL Network, whatever. And you're, if your team's playing at one in Eastern time, you're done with football by 10 o'clock in the morning. You have the rest of your day. <laughs> yeah, no, it is great. And just to clarify, we did not sit there and watch an entire game in Hawaii. What was happening was we were in a lull between two things that we were doing. So I just threw the game on the TV for a little bit. So don't think that we went to Hawaii just to watch football. <laughs> judge-free zone. This is a judge-free zone. Even if you were there in Hawaii, I, I had to go on a work thing in Philadelphia. I did not take the time to enjoy the city of Philadelphia. The Red Sox were playing and I was in my hotel room watching that. And I have no shame. <laughs> I mean, Philadelphia is a little bit different from Hawaii, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the point still stands, but yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Kristen and I would love to go back someday, but obviously it's going to be a while before then. Sure. Um, and then obviously on the way back, we stopped through Seattle and uh, saw the Jaguars play at uh, Lumen field. Now it used to be CenturyLink field. And they got absolutely decimated by Geno Smith. Experience of a lifetime. Well, I, I, how does Seattle compare to the other stadiums you've been to? So now you've been to, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, you have been to obviously Buffalo a few times. You've been to Jacksonville. You've been to uh, Gillette Stadium in New England. You've been to MetLife in uh, New Jersey. Yes, I know it's in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Um, and you've been to Cleveland. Am I missing any on that list? uh did you say nashville oh yeah you've been to nashville and you've also been to dallas yes and okay. dallas as well so in comparison to all of those stadiums seattle was by far the coolest outdoor stadium because it was by far the loudest stadium we have ever we had ever been to and it, it made sense because of the way it's set up it's like basically a sound tunnel um and the only stadium I think that I've been to that compares to it for me is Dallas, but that's just because it's Jerry world. I mean, come on. It's, right. it's, it was like a, like a, I don't even know what word to use, but Dallas is definitely an experience. So those two, I think are tied for me, both amazing experiences. One, the, the one in Dallas was more fun just because the bills destroyed the Cowboys. Whereas, and it was Thanksgiving day. <laughs> and it was Thanksgiving day. Whereas in Seattle, the Jaguars just didn't show up to play at all. And I had to like fight to keep like a positive spin on it. Like we're in Seattle. This is fun. Let, let me ignore the fact that my team sucks, but it was a, uh, it was an awesome time. 
what you can always have in the back of your mind uh, that you went to see the Jaguars play the New York Giants with me and the Jaguars won that day. You'll always have that over me. But I was telling Chris the other day, like the Jaguars are, I believe, two and six, two and eight, whatever. They've won two games that I've seen them live in. Both games, they played terrible offensively. and It was a super ugly win. Like I, I have never watched the Jags play well on the offensive side of the ball, which is more enjoyable. Obviously, as a fan, you want to see your team put up points and play well on the offensive side of the ball, and I haven't been able to see it live. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, eventually, I mean, you're hitting all these stadiums, which is such a cool thing that you're doing, and uh, I, I'm sure eventually there will be a few offensive performances that are, are in there. We'll get into how well they played offensively uh, this past Sunday, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but first things first, now that we're back, a lot of things have happened while we've been gone. Um the uh, NFL, this has been one of the most fun and unpredictable seasons you've ever seen. You see teams that are high one week and have these great wins, and then you see them have a really bad loss. Look at teams like Dallas, who just lost to Denver. Uh, look at how the Packers had no receivers and beat the undefeated Arizona Cardinals and then turned around and had the whole thing with, with Aaron Rodgers. And then you see the Tennessee Titans lost to the Jets, and now they're winning against teams like Buffalo and the Rams. Uh, it's just been absolutely insane. I feel like all these really good teams that we've seen this year all have bad losses on their resumes already. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been very interesting. The biggest news, obviously, that has been carrying the last couple weeks is this story with Aaron Rodgers because not only is it a football story, but it is a story that is involving the opinions of people who don't even watch football because it's being talked about on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. Aaron Rodgers came out uh, and tested positive for COVID-19 last week. He, um, for those of you that don't know, <laughs> um, and he had to sit out the game. Jordan Love played his first start against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously a huge disappointment because everybody circled that game before the year seeing Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, you know, the story was big because Aaron Rodgers did say in a press conference that he was immunized when asked if he was vaccinated. And uh, it turns out he wasn't vaccinated. Now, bef- my whole thing with this was people came out initially and was like, oh, he lied to the NFL and he lied to the Packers. Facts later came out that he did not lie to the Packers of the NFL. He just lied to the uh, people in the press and the public, which I'm not condoning. That's not right for him to do. And he has now since been fined uh, by the NFL about $15,000, just short of $15,000. And the Packers were fined $300,000. Drew, what was your take on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation? Do you feel like he has, has the punishment fit the crime? I'll be honest. I have looked at the situation from just a selfish standpoint and that it's screwed me over in fantasy. Um, but no I mean obviously the whole conversation surrounding the COVID-19 vaccine is something that's been kind of at a boiling point for a long time and the fact that Aaron Rodgers has come out and said that he is not vaccinated has obviously made a bunch of people mad especially when he came out and said that he also consulted Joe Rogan about the issue and I know Joe Rogan's been a polarizing figure in terms of um, the COVID-19 vaccination Um, in reality I'm not as uh headstrong about uh, condemning people who don't get vaccinated Me too. whatever your, your choices in my opinion it's if you decide to do that that's your own prerogative um him lying to the media i mean it did feel kind of like a lie but it wasn't like in your face like a blatant blatant lie like he said he was vaccinated he said he was immunized you know he, he kind of worked around it a little bit used a different word sure um so in reality i don't really care I mean, Aaron Rod- everybody can get all angry at Aaron Rodgers or whatever. I love the dude as a football player. I just want to see him get back on the field as soon as possible. For my fantasy team's sake and also for football's sake, it, it'll, this is going to be all water under the bridge within the next yeah. couple of weeks. I, I think the most I, – I think the things that for me 
I, I'm like you when it comes to the vaccine. I feel like anybody who wants to get vaccinated has had the opportunity to get vaccinated if you feel uncomfortable with everything. Um, and I strongly suggest that you do your research before you do anything. Um, I was somebody who did get the vaccine because I saw that, you know, it showed that there was a lot of content out there that showed that the vaccine was safe. And also all the members of my family were taking it. So I figured, well, if there is anything bad that's going to happen, at least I'm not going out alone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. uh, So, you know, I I don't like that people try to shame other people who don't get vaccinated and things like that. So where I think Aaron Rodgers was at fault was um, mostly that he, knew he wasn't vaccinated and wasn't following the protocols like everybody else. I think that's kind of frustrating to a lot of people that why do you think the rules don't apply to you? Now I will say in Aaron's defense on that, I, I think that responsibility falls more on the Packers than it does on him because if you're, if you're in anything, right. And there's rules that you're supposed to follow, but whoever is supposed to enforce those rules lets you get away with not human nature is prone to not do it. Like when I was an RA in college, we had very strict rules for residents when it came to, uh, lots of stuff like having, you know, guests. And if you had uh, things that you're supposed to drink after you're 21, um, <laughs> you know, we held standards to uh, um, the, for the students that, you know, we weren't really enforced on ourselves. So we didn't follow them all the time. Um, and because we could, we could get away with it. Um, so I think that was the thing with the Packers didn't enforce Aaron Rodgers and wearing a mask at press conferences or on the sideline. So if they're not going to enforce him to do it, other than just ha- having a moral presence about the pandemic, why would he do it? You know, if he can, if he can get away with it, why would he, you know, that's the way I look at that. I think that that's why I'm glad the Packers got fined too. Um, and in terms of lying to the press, I, I don't like it. I understood from one standpoint that he felt like, you know, the media was trying to shame people like Cole Beasley and players who came out, like look, look at all the stuff that Kyrie Irving got hit with because he's not vaccinated people are attacking him um so I, I i get why he lied to the press because players and coaches and gms lie to the press all the time i mean look at shanahan about the whole trey lance situation with jimmy garoppolo he's been lying out of his teeth about that whole thing but we don't like tim tebow made that point on espn if you're going to find aaron Rodgers for lying you have to find basically every player and athlete in every sport because they all lie to the media all the time <laughs> right. that's why i don't really care all that much yeah yeah so i i think that you know this is going to be like you said water under the bridge once the, he gets back to playing and the packers start winning again people are going to forget about it um or, or not really that care that much anymore i think the biggest outrage was that uh there are people who are very very pro vaccine and they make it very political and Aaron Rodgers is an influential person who's not all in on the vaccine and that ticks them off. I think that's where most people are upset with. Right. Uh, honestly, I was more interested in the fact that Jordan Love looked like shit against the Chiefs. You know, yeah, I, mean, I know <laughs> you, just, you, feel, you feel bad for the guy because obviously his entire career, ever since the moment he was drafted, he's been compared to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So you got to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but this was his chance, you know, especially against a Chiefs team that that's been reeling. I mean, they almost lost to your New York football giants. Like yep. this was his chance. And unfortunately he didn't do all that great. And it kind of just supported the notion that the Packers need Aaron Rodgers to be successful going forward. Right. Yeah. They, that's, that's so right. And I actually, you know, it's kind of a mean way to think, but I uh, was watching the game with my dad and I said, you know, I feel bad for Jordan love in a way, but I'm kind of hoping he's not good just because it would just tick me off. They went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and Jordan Love's good. It's like, no, no, you have to have a bump in the road just like everybody else. <laughs> Great, right, no, you can't just. It's completely unfair to give them three generational quarterbacks, but it doesn't look like Jordan Love is going to reach that uh, 
that point, but also just kind of piggybacking off of that as well. I mean, what, what is going on with Pat Mahomes? I know this wasn't in the, uh, in the itinerary for the show, but I want to get your take on how he's been looking. You know, um, I think that there were throws that he, there was one deep throw to um, Tyreek Hill that he missed on that he wasn't missing on the last couple of years. And there's just something off. I don't know if it's because he has less time to throw or, or what it is, or, or the risks that he took since he's become the starter of the Kansas City Chiefs that would pay off. I think start of those, some of those risks aren't paying off. Like he's just not um, converting on some of those opportunities, and that's what happens when you're a high risk taker. Is sometimes you're going to get big plays, and sometimes you're going to get big mistakes. And I think that's what's happening. And they don't have a good defense uh, that can really stop anybody other than Jordan Love, and uh, so the, they're not getting put in great positions to do to do that great. So. You know, I feel like it's just something to where he has to maybe take a step back and try to be more patient and maybe not always do the big thing. But he's also missing on, like, there was a play where Travis Kelsey was wide open down the middle for, like, you know, a medium game, a medium gain, sorry, and he went for the deep throw and missed it. And it's like, well, why don't you take that throw to Kelsey, get him involved, and continue to move down the field? So it's been interesting. I do have confidence though. It's interesting. Nobody seems to, everyone's questioning the Chiefs, but no one's writing them off yet. Well, it's everyone, they keep winning. Everyone so can, it's kind of hard. Everyone feels like they can, they can turn it around. Like they're, they're given the benefit of the doubt. So, and I, I, I'm one of those people. I feel like they'll, I don't think they're going to win their division this year. Um, I think they might be a wild card team, but I, I, they're, they all have five wins. So we'll see. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like the Chargers look like world beaters either at this point. I mean, they barely made it by the Phillies, but by uh, the Eagles. And yeah, like you said, the Raiders just lost to you guys. So it's uh, the AFC as a whole, as we'll get into, is just completely wide open right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it is wide open. It's, it's, that's what I've been saying about this unpredictability thing. Like the last couple of years, it's been, well, we know the Chiefs are going to be in the AFC championship. It's just a matter of who's going to be there to meet them. Now it's. I like the fact that it's 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 unknown. Like the boring thing about uh, a league like the NBA is, you kind of have an idea of who's going to be the teams that are at the very end if they're healthy. With the NFL, it's any given Sunday. This season has been the definition of any given Sunday. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. It doesn't matter how good you've been playing, you can be surprised. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. I think you're looking forward more to seeing what happens with your. Your boy, you have his jersey, Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, I do have uh, that Odell Beckham jersey that unfortunately has a red stain on it. But uh, it's still, you know, hey, I, I got it when I was working at Dick Sporting Goods. So I got like 50% off on it. So I'll wear it proud when they – he may come back to the Giants. Who knows? No. Yeah, I, right. Not, not according to him. Not now. No. No. So, yeah, so that's been, that's been another interesting story that's happened while uh, we've been on a hiatus is the whole uh, Cleveland Browns – uh, drama as a team they you know they're playing a little under expectations this year and Baker hasn't looked great and he's has a hurt shoulder but Odell Beckham was not productive he's never seemed to be in sync with Baker Mayfield he never seemed like he wanted to be there I remember when he was traded over to Cleveland and he thought that one the New York Giants were sending him there to die uh, was a quote I think I remember hearing and then he also said like any good restaurants out there yeah. so it seemed like he never wanted to be in Cleveland um because other than lebron james who really wants to be in cleveland right um and so <laughs> uh he uh you know he his dad put together you know odell has to his credit 
he personally didn't have any behavioral issues in Cleveland. His dad and LeBron James and other people came out and said, free Odell, free Odell. He'd be so much better somewhere else. And I think Odell was better at keeping it behind closed doors other than the way, like differently than how he acted with the New York Giants at the end. So from a behavioral standpoint, Odell was better. Um, He just didn't, he wasn't productive with Cleveland and they let him go. And now, you know, there's rumors that he's either going to end up with either the Saints, the Chiefs or the Packers, but I'm also hearing that he could end up with either Seattle or New England. So it's going to be interesting to see it play out, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen before this Sunday. It looked like the Browns looked a little bit better without him. You know, they completely dismantled the Cincinnati Bengals who have been reeling. They have been on a downward spiral, but Cleveland just seemed a lot more in sync. Although, I mean, obviously their defense was able to make plays, which in turn makes your offense play better normally. So there's a lot of other factors, but it's easy to just look at that game and be like, maybe they're better off. It felt to me like Cleveland kind of lost a weight was taken off their shoulders. It's like the weight, that whole thing was taken off their shoulders. Now they can just go play. Right. And so, you know, they're in uh, a tight divisional race also. And I, 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 I think that they still have a chance to go and win the division. If they, they, they are in a position where they can still write the ship, you know? And uh, I think that having Chubb back is a big thing for um, Baker Mayfield. That's, you know, unfortunately he just tested positive for COVID-19. So he might not have that at his disposal in a tough uh, game against the Patriots this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, it's the Browns that they could, Def, they're definitely at a fork in the road in their season, and I could definitely see them going in, in either direction. But uh, we will move on to another team who has still played so well without their best player. I am honestly shocked at how good the Tennessee Titans look right now without King Henry. It pains me to say this, but I mean, how can you not look at them as the favorites in the AFC right now after beating the Bills and then just completely dismantling the Rams, who on that uh, Sunday night game, just as it started, I turned to Kristen and I was like, I honestly think the Rams are the best team in the NFL right now. They have the most stacked roster and I think they have the best chance to win the Super Bowl. And then it, they just go off and get destroyed by the Titans. So I'm like, I don't know anything about football, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, they have been very impressive to watch. I mean, they are seven and two. There are two losses. They had the opener against Arizona where they didn't play that great, but then they lost in overtime to the Jets which was uh, everybody was shocked by. But at the same time, you know, they're a couple plays away from winning that game and being, you know, eight and one uh, since the opening loss. And they, their upcoming schedule is relatively light. Okay. They played the Saints, who uh, have not looked like the Saints of old, obviously. Then they play the Texans. Then they go to New England, which that'll be a tough game. But then they have Jacksonville, which, sorry, that's not going to be tough for them. <laughs> no um, uh, at Pittsburgh, that depending on what Pittsburgh team shows up, San Francisco, who's not looked great, Miami, who has not looked great, they have Houston again. So, yeah, wow, I that think, is an easy schedule. Wow. So, I feel like they, they should finish the season out. But again, this has been a season of unpredictability, but they should finish the season out as being either the one or two seed in the AFC. You would think so. Um, but I think what's most shocking about them being so good right now, though, is their defense. I mean, nobody came into the season thinking that their defense is going to be shut down, but. Their, uh, their linebacker, I forgot what his name was. He's literally the, the number one pro football focus linebacker this season so far. Byard. His name, yeah. his name is Byard. He is nasty. He is yeah. making tackles all over the place, making interceptions, turnovers. Um, their entire defense has just been kind of able to step up in the absence of Henry. And I think they're going to be just okay, especially with bringing in guys like Adrian Peterson, who 
I can't believe he is still playing at the level he is after 15 seasons in the league as a running back. Um, dude is just an absolute freak of nature. And then Foreman, uh, I forgot what his first name was. Uh, he's also a veteran running back that came in on Sunday night and he looked good as well. So I think they're bringing in these pieces to hopefully make up for the loss of Henry. And I think it's going to, only going to help him in the future as much as it pains me to say. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's been interesting. And the, thing with the Titans is uh, they have Mike Vrabel as coach and I think the players just love playing for him you know and he's a defensive minded guy he's a you know fiery guy uh, so I, I think right now they're in they're easily going to win their division there's no doubt about that um, but they're uh, I, I, I think that they're going to be a real force to be a Super Bowl contender in the AFC especially with the Bills not looking as good as they have been in recent weeks Baltimore's record is better than what I think Baltimore actually is I think Baltimore's squeaked out some wins um, and then, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati have been inconsistent. Chargers haven't been fully consistent, neither of the Raiders, neither of the Chiefs. So right as of right now, going into week 10, I think the Titans should be favored in the AFC. Yeah, and it could be completely switched, too, to the Bills. Could I be. mean, because if the Bills beat the Titans that week, you know, which they were this close to doing. And beat the Jags. <laughs> I mean, even if, the, even if last week with the Jags did happen, the, last week was a week that most NFL teams are just going to be throwing in the trash. It's like, okay, let's just completely forget about that shit show and we'll, we'll yeah. turn it around. Let's go destroy the Jets, you know? But just the fact that the Titans were able to eke out that win against the Bills puts them up on top, and it just shows how little margin of error you can have in the NFL to be considered yeah. as like one of the best teams in the NFL is it, it's that slim margin because the only thing that matters is the wins. Right. Uh, last piece of uh, news that dropped today. Uh, Cam Newton is back in Carolina. So I think that Carolina uh, started off strong. They started off three, and zero, and then uh, have one. Uh, they've gone one and five since Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold is what Sam Darnold is. He's not a good quarterback. Remember when um, I said he was going to be the next Tannehill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> but here's the thing. He goes to play against the Patriots and looks absolutely like the the, the uh, Sam Darnold that was in uh, New York. And he cannot play against the Patriots. He's thrown in his career nine interceptions just against the Patriots. He's thrown more interceptions to the Patriots than he has touchdowns probably in his career. Yeah, most <laughs> he likely. Throws, he throws in more of the Patriots again. than to his own players. You know, <laughs> pretty pathetic. Uh, so they brought in Cam Newton. Obviously, with him going to Carolina, it's going to the expectation of the fan base seeing where the team is now. It's going to be expected that Cam Newton just jumps right in and starts. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But why else would you bring him in? Like, Cam Newton didn't want to come in and be a backup to Sam Darnold. Right. No, exactly. And, like, the only backup they had was P.J. Walker, the guy that kind of made his name through the XFL um, and then came in and was able to win the backup job in Carolina. But – I mean, I'm interested to see what they decide to do between those two. If they're going to stick with PJ Walker, who obviously knows the playbook and is uh, he's more familiar with the offense, or if uh, they're going to just throw Cam right in there. I, I mean, the issue is Cam is living solely off of his reputation right now. I mean, he's he has not looked good in what four years. All right. So it's yet yeah, if you're Carolina, you have to come into the situation with a little bit of cautious, cautiousness. You know. Uh, do we get go with the safe play where our defense has kind of been playing well throughout the entire season and just kind of go off of that, focus on the run with Christian McCaffrey now that he's back and just use the quarterback that we know and use the quarterback that we can trust right now? Or do we just go all in and throw a guy who won the MVP back in the early 2010s and let's see if we can make a run 
what would you do? I mean, at this point, it's you have to measure, are you waving the white flag on the season or are you still going to try? And right now, based on the way the standings are, they win a few games, they're in the mix, the wild card at least. So, I mean, do what you think is going to give you the best chance to win, whether that's with Cam Newton or that's with Sam Darnold. They kind of have to see where Cam's at. And I think that maybe he'll electrify the offense a little bit in terms of excitement. And, hey, I'm excited to see a matchup between Tom Brady versus Cam Newton, two great New England Patriot quarterbacks. <laughs> of similar accolades yeah. for the New England Patriots, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Both, both Boston boys. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Cam Newton, you never seems to, seems to go away, I guess. <laughs> All right. So last week was a very – it's a very interesting – time in our friend Drew's life whenever the Jacksonville Jaguars have to play the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it's kind of funny. I thought very funny uh, that you come off your honeymoon, you're on a high, and then your team and your wife's team play each other. And I, I loved how you guys captioned that off with honeymoons over. I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> that was all Kristen. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was awesome. So, um, you know, Drew, is it always emotionally tough for you going into the Bills-Jaguar game, or do you just like to have just fun with it and, and, and let it be what it is? I wouldn't say it's emotionally tough, but it's definitely not as fun. I think that's the right way to put it. Um, I root for the Bills every single week, unless they're playing the Jaguars. They're definitely my number two team. I want them to succeed because I want the people around me to be happy that their team is playing well. I mean, probably 75% of my friends are Bills fans. So it's like, I'd rather see them succeed. And (laughs) coming into this game, I was not expecting anything good. I mean, coming off of that despicable loss to Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, where I spent an exorbitant amount of money to go watch them play on the other side of the country. Um, I, you would assume, as did everybody, that the Jaguars are just going to go in and the 14 and a half point spread that the Bills had was just going to be hit within the first quarter. Um, but obviously, it was a completely different uh, result. And I would always prefer to watch my team beat a different top contender than the Bills, but it's always good to see a win. Yeah. I was just surprised that they had such a defensive turnaround from one week playing against Seattle against Geno Smith versus, uh, you know, everyone's been talking about an MVP candidate and Josh Allen, uh, that he would just, uh, you know, hold Josh Allen to 31 for 47, 264 yards and two picks. He didn't even throw a touchdown pass. Um, he was outplayed by the Josh Allen on Jacksonville. But I think the other interesting thing was the penalties for Buffalo. They were 12 penalties for 118 yards. They had three turnovers versus Jacksonville's one turnover. Uh, And I mean, this was a boring, boring game because nobody could get into the end zone. But to me, the the fact that the, uh, and the Jaguars saw their concerns on offense, but the fact that their defense was able to turn around this week compared to, to last week, I think, is good for the locker room, is good for the Jags going forward. Again, I don't think the Jags are going to be above, you know, six, seven wins this year. But, hey, you've got a divisional game this week against the Indianapolis Colts who have not looked spectacular this year. They're not bad, but they're not great. Um, and then you play the 49ers who have been reeling. And then you play Atlanta who's not consistent. I mean, they're, they're, of those three games, you could potentially win two of them. Giving Trevor Lawrence that much more confidence, giving – uh, Urban Meyer a little bit of breathing room and not being on such a hot seat. Uh, to me, I think you're right. The, the Bills losing to the Jags was just like a pothole on the road. 
it sucks, but they're going to play a bounce back game this week against the Jets, probably blow out the Jets, and people are going to kind of move on. I mean, that's the hope for sure. And we do, we definitely have to go back to the game a little bit just because I know everybody watching or listening to this is still going to be very frustrated about what happened during the game. And honestly, the biggest thing that we can take away from this game isn't the fact that the Jags are somehow better than we thought and the Bills are somehow worse than we thought. It is the fact that the offensive line is the most important aspect to a team in the NFL, period. A bad offensive line can make the best quarterback and the best skill position players look like trash. And that's exactly what they did. The Bills offensive line was completely overwhelmed by the defensive line, by Josh Allen, Dwayne Smoot, and everyone else um, in that Jags front who has failed to generate pressure throughout the entire season. They look terrible. And Nick is right. As, As frustrated as he was, he was completely right. The Jags have been terrible all season. And they still are probably terrible, but they looked like world beaters on Sunday. And that is solely because the Bills offensive line failed to show up. Nine to six is a very embarrassing score for both offenses involved, but the Jags were able to pull out the win. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, for the Bills, the, their three losses this year, you have that game against Jacksonville, nine to six, as you just said, very embarrassing. You had that close game on Monday Night Football where the, I mean, they had their chance at the end against Tennessee to win the game. They just couldn't close. And then the opener against Pittsburgh where, you know, they just didn't look like they were ready to play completely. Um, Pittsburgh is that team that's just living off of ugly wins. Yes. Uh, but the Bills have had a lot of really high-scoring wins. So to see them go from, you know, a 35 nothing, 43-21, 40 to nothing, 38-20, that they can only put six on the board against a team that was one and six going into that game – was embarrassing, but here's what the Bills have on their side, okay? They have this week against the Jets, then they play the Colts, and then they play the Saints on Thanksgiving uh, evening. So all three are very winnable games, and then I think a very tough game that the Bills fans and the Bills should not sleep on, because I'm telling you, you got to watch out for this team. The New England Patriots have been looking better and better and better and better as the season goes on. They look like a true New England Patriots team that Bill Belichick has been coaching for 20-plus years where they don't look that great in September, but as the year goes on, they just continue to improve. And right now, the way that the standings are, the Patriots are uh, just what it's it, they're five and four, and the Bills are five and three. So they're only half a game behind the, the Buffalo Bills, and they've played each other twice going down the line. Now, the Patriots' schedule is a little bit tougher than Buffalo's because they have Cleveland this week. Cleveland's, you know, I know that they won't have Chubb, they're still a good team. Then they play Atlanta, who's inconsistent. Then they play Tennessee, then they have Buffalo. The Colts is going to be a tough game for the Patriots because the Colts are, again, hit or miss with who you get, which Colts team. Then they play Buffalo again. And then they finish the season with Jacksonville, Miami. So the Patriots have a very winnable schedule, but they could – they are playing teams that are teams like Cleveland and, you know, Tennessee and Buffalo twice that could be all losses. But I'm not going to pronounce it yet, but if the Bills continue to start looking – like the struggling team that they have looked like the last few weeks. Cause they did struggle in that first half against Miami the week before this game until they turned it on in the fourth quarter. But if the bills say they lose to the jets or if they play a close game against the jets and the Patriots beat Cleveland and, and then the Patriots, uh, you know, beat it the really Falcons. It really comes down to their two matchups. Just, it could come down to their two matchups. And yeah. I, I, I will tell you this, I will, I'm not ready to declare the Patriots from the AFC East yet, but I'm, I'm getting close to that uh, to be honest with you. But I will say, with absolute certainty, the Patriots will win one of the two matchups, at least. 
It won one of the two matchups at least because they barely lost to the Bills last year when the Bills were so much better and the Patriots were so much worse. So I'm certain and positive that the Buffalo Bills will lose one game to the New England Patriots at a bare minimum. They could potentially get swept by the Patriots. Don't sleep on New England. I mean, at this point, I don't think anybody would be surprised, including Bills fans. I mean, no one feels worse about the Bills right now than Bills fans. And from what I've heard, like, like everybody's just incredibly frustrated. It's very hard for them to get past this loss because it is a very embarrassing loss. Sure. But like I said, just do what you got to do. Go out there, fucking destroy the Jets, Yep. and let's move on. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I, I, again, I'm not rooting for the Bills to fail or anything like that. I know people sometimes hear what I have to say about them and think that's my perspective. Like, I, it's funny. My, I'm going over to my mom's for Thanksgiving, as I always do. And um, my cousins are coming over, and they're Bills fans. And my mom said to my brother, she's like, should we tell them yet? What? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? They want to watch the Bills. I'm like, okay. I don't dislike the Bills. My mom thought I hate the Buffalo. She thinks I hate the Buffalo Bills. So, no, uh, I, it's not that I hate the Bills. I, I'm just – I'm not a Bills fan. I, I'm not, I don't get into the whole table smashing and uh, singing the Let's Go Buffalo song uh, or anything like that because they're not my team. I'm not, a, I'm not a Bills fan. I'm a Giants fan. But I, I, don't want, I don't like to see them fail because, like you, a lot of my friends like the Buffalo Bills, and I like to see them I, – I like to see people around me to be happy. You right. know, <laughs> as long as it's not at the Giants' expense, I would like to see the Bills do well. So, and since they're not in the same division, I don't care. Having said that, let's talk about the Giants. <laughs> I know, I know, you've been just waiting and waiting and waiting. So, they won. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I so I, I'm a little annoyed at myself because I lost in my weekly picks uh, at work, where I, you know, I. I went into the Monday night game. We all had the same amount of picks. It's just, it came down to a point differential. I'm like, God damn it. If I just picked the giants, I wouldn't be in this position. <laughs> Cause they've just been so uh, inconsistent and um, they just lose close. They lose games that they have had a chance to win. Uh, but this game was strange because the giants had things go their way. Like the little, little things like they got a, a pick six to start the second half. And then in the fourth quarter, the Raiders had a 25 yard field goal that they missed. Like, wait, this stuff kind of never happens to the Giants. Usually the Giants are the victims of this kind of crap, not the ones who are benefiting off of it. So I was just kind of thrilled to see that. Daniel Jones uh, wasn't like anything spectacular in this game, but he didn't have to be. He didn't turn the ball over. He fumbled once that we recovered, but (laughs) he didn't throw any bad balls in terms of interceptions. Um, The Giants defense has been looking good the last three weeks. They really should have won against Kansas City. But, you know, it's what it could have shut up when you're a Giants fan. Um, they, they played great against Carolina. They played good against Kansas City. And they played uh, great against the Las Vegas Raiders going into their bye week. So now the Giants are three and six uh, after nine weeks. You know, it, it kind of – with the win, it kind of also stung that, man, if we had just beaten Washington like we, were, like we could have, or if we just beat Atlanta too like we could have. Right now the Giants could be, you know, five and four. And looking like a team that could potentially be fighting for the wild card, the narrative on the New York Giants would be totally different right now than what it is going into this. But they're going into their bye week. I don't have to suffer through any kind of bad play this weekend. Uh, but then they come out and they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after their bye week on a Monday night football game. Really, again, cruel of the NFL to put the Giants in prime time on only two games this year, both against the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. Real, real thanks. Um, <laughs> hey, but, man, you guys almost beat the Chiefs. So there you go. Yeah. No, I know. I know. And, and you know what? Tom Brady always struggles against the Giants, and I think it's a trap game for the Buccaneers. 
uh, to play the Giants on Monday Night Football because it's a game that they probably think, okay, we should win this game. They've got other important games in their schedule, like another game against the Saints. They have the Bills. Uh, they're games that they're kind of probably looking more uh, forward to than the New York Giants. So maybe it's a sleeper game for the Giants to steal. And it is where Daniel Jones got his first win. But then after that, so let's say the Giants, let's just, for the sake of argument, say the Giants lose that game. All right? They're three and seven. This is the way they finish their season out. One, two, three, four, five of their remaining, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So five of their remaining seven games after the Bucks game are all against teams with losing records. Let's say they win half of those. They'll be six or, six or seven wins. So six, so let's say they get to six wins. So they'd be six and 11 to end the season or seven and 10. That's not going to make the playoffs, and it's not going to be a high draft pick. So it's kind of like, oh, great. But that's what the Giants have been doing the last few years. This is the fourth year in a row where the first eight games, they're either one and seven or two and six. And what they've done all those years, they win a, a good chunk of their last few games. Now, I don't see them. I, I think they can beat Philadelphia. One of the two games they play Philadelphia, I think they can beat Miami, and I think they can beat Washington and Chicago. But probably not Chicago because it's at Chicago and uh, Fields has been looking better and better. So, again, I think the Giants' ceiling right now, where they're at at this point, is five, six wins, maybe seven. Um, but I'm not unrealistic to think about that. I just I don't know what they're going to do with the positioning they'll be in the draft because I don't think that Daniel Jones is the problem. But I don't know what the – they just need to continue to somehow, again, try to fix the offensive line. And I, 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 I hope to God they fire Dave Gettleman. We get a new GM and see if we can change the direction a little bit because this is just – more mediocrity, and that's not what you want if you're a New York Giants fan. Uh, can we pause this real quick? My boss is calling me. Yeah. Thanks. Now, with uh, we're about nine weeks into the season at this point, and uh, that means with a 17-week season, we're, past the, we're at like the halfway point or past the halfway point, depending on your perspective there. Um, so here are the division standings as they stand right now go at this point in the season we have in the afc east you have the buffalo bills and first at a record of five and three closely behind are the patriots at five and four and then you have the jets and the dolphins in the basement at two and six and two and seven in the afc north you have baltimore leading the division uh at six and two following closely behind is pittsburgh at five and three and the browns and Bengals closely behind as well at five and four uh in the afc south you have tennessee with a clear lead at seven and two versus the other teams with the colts being four and five jags being two and six and the houston texans being the worst team in the league at one and eight and then you have the chargers leading the afc west uh just from head-to-head matchups they're five and three then you have the raiders at five and three kansas city at five and four and denver at five and four that to me is the most interesting division so far because it doesn't really you don't have a clear-cut idea of who's going to win uh, and then the NFC, you have the NFC East. Dallas has the biggest lead out of anybody. They're six and two, and all the teams in the NFC least stink. You have Philadelphia at three and six, the Giants at three and six, and Washington at two and six. Uh, in the NFC North, you have uh, the Green Bay Packers at seven and two, over the Vikings who are three and five, the Bears who are three and six, and the Lions who actually are the worst team in the league at zero oh and eight. Uh, the NFC South is led by Tom Brady and the Bucks at six and two. The Saints are five and three. Atlanta's four and four, and Carolina's four and five. And then the NFC West, which you and I said before the season this was the division we were most looking forward to seeing play out um and you thought the rams were going to be the clear-cut winner i was thinking san francisco would be a lot better than they turned out to be but i have to give credit to a friend of ours who said this after our first show he posted 
that he would bet either of us that the Arizona Cardinals would win this division. That is Steve Demblager. He's a loyal listener to the show and a good friend of yours and mine. So, Steve, you were right. The Cardinals right now are 8-1, and one, followed by the Rams at 7-2, and two, the Seahawks at 3-5, and five, and San Francisco at 3-5. and five. Drew, are you surprised at those standings the way that they are? So, two things kind of pop out to me as instances that we weren't expecting. Honestly, it sounds like most of these divisions are kind of working out how we expected in terms of the order of the teams. It's just some teams are blowing out the division like we expected they would, and some teams are, and we expected that they weren't. Um, The Chargers leading the AFC West and the Cardinals leading the NFC West are the only two divisions from the sounds of it that we kind of didn't call and didn't see coming. Everything else is kind of working out how we thought. Right. Um, And honestly, that kind of makes you feel a little bit better. Like maybe we do know what the hell we're talking about. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think, I still think there's a lot of shuffling that's going to be happening over the next few weeks and going into the the playoffs. Uh, Everything's a lot closer than we were expecting. And that makes for better football, right? Right. Absolutely. And with the way that they do the playoffs now, seven teams get in. So it's going to be a wild race because you have right now in the AFC, you have one, two, three, four, five teams fighting for that seventh spot. That's going to be an exciting way to see that play out. And then the NFC, uh, it's kind of similar. You have at seven, you have the Atlanta Falcons right now at four and four are the seventh team to make the NFC playoffs, followed by Carolina at four and five. And then you have Minnesota, Seattle, San Francisco, Philadelphia, the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears, all with three wins, are on the doorstep of that final playoff spot. That's crazy. Like, I remember early on in the season, everybody was saying that Atlanta was one of the worst teams in the league, and now they're, <laughs> they're projected to have a playoff spot. Right. Yeah, and, and right now, for uh, our friends who are Bills fans listening, if the playoffs were to start today, um, this looks like – so Baltimore would play New England, the Chargers would play the Steelers, and the Bills would play the Raiders. <laughs> In Buffalo. Which is probably the ideal matchup out of all those teams. Yeah, I think so. Because Buffalo, for some reason, struggles against Pittsburgh. Um, I just I, I don't think it's a great matchup for them, I guess. The Steelers' defense versus the Bills' offense. Uh, that would be their third matchup against New England if they had to play them. Um, and I don't know. Do you want to play the Chiefs if they squeak in there in the first round, in the wild card round? I wouldn't. I'd definitely rather play the Raiders. Um, or maybe would you rather play a team like Cleveland or Cincinnati over the Raiders? No, I, well, maybe Cincinnati, that they're a weird team to kind of read right now. Um, but I think it would either be Cincinnati or, or Vegas. Those would be the two teams I would want to play. Yeah. And if the giants somehow, somehow they won't, for those of you that are like, he's a Homer (laughs) or everything. Uh, I know some of you are probably eye rolling as I get into this, but if the giants somehow, go on some kind of run where they squeak into the final playoff spot. That means they'll have to play the Green Bay Packers, the Arizona Cardinals in the first round, or possibly Tampa Bay, and they ain't winning that. So, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up too high. But I just I just hope the Giants are competitive in each of their games so I don't feel miserable every Sunday. That's all. Are the Vikings uh, a playoff team right now? They're 3-5, and, five, oh, three and, and five, they're okay. ranked as the ninth seed, okay. the playoff, like, you know, and which is not in the playoffs. You have to be in the top seven. So they're three and five behind Atlanta, who's four and four. So they're a game back of being a potential playoff team. The Vikings, man, they have to be so painful to be a Vikings fan. Like of all the teams in the NFL, I think the Vikings fans have had it the worst 
this oh, yeah. season because they keep giving these fans hope by jumping out to these leads early on. And then the team is just dog shit in the fourth quarter. And it just ends up being an absolute shit fest to find the most heartbreaking way to lose. All five losses are all games they could have and possibly should have won. Yeah. And you go from being, oh, God. You know, say they just, of those five losses, say they turn, turn around and win three of them. They're six and two, and they're at the top of the standings. So this is what it is for the Vikings. So they have the Chargers this Sunday in L.A. Then they have the Green Bay Packers. Then they have the 49ers, Lions, Steelers. Okay? And then they have the Bears, Rams, Packers again, and then the, and then the Bears again. Tough schedule. Very tough schedule. So I'm, uh, I don't think the Vikings make the playoffs, to be honest with you. I don't think I, I honestly – they don't know how to win. No. So I don't know if they deserve to. Like, I feel so bad, but – that's just that's how the NFL works when you just can't find a way to win and you just keep finding ways to lose. That's true. That's true. So yeah, I I, I think you were right. A lot of the standings are playing out the way that we thought that they would. Uh, I'm very curious to see the race play out in the AFC North because it's very close between all four of those teams are actually decent this year. Um, and then you've got uh, the the AFC West is a, right now. It, it, I'm loving that it's not predictable because it's going to be that much more fun to watch play out. Um, and then the – I'm curious to see who's going to win out between the Rams and the Cardinals ultimately in the division because the winner is going to be the number one seed most likely in the a, in the NFC. And then the, the loser will have to play, you know, in the wild card round. You know, it's, it's kind of like in baseball this year where the San Francisco Giants and the Dodgers were dominating the National League, but because they were both in the same division, one team won the division in the number one seed and the other team had to be a wild card team. Right. You know, which, you know – with fans being back, home field advantage is now a real thing again. Yeah, that's very true. It honestly has been great to have fans back. It, it obviously brings it back to uh, a normal level. Yeah. was uh, I'm curious, was Seattle kind of like Pittsburgh where they told you that there was like these mandates for wearing masks throughout the stadium? But when we got to, the, to Heinz Field, no one was wearing a mask. Was it kind of the same way in Seattle? No, they were, Seattle as a whole and Washington State as a whole, I'm guessing, uh, they're a lot more strict about it. Everybody was wearing a mask when we were there. Okay. Um, and there really wasn't anybody that was kind of causing a fuss. Like everybody was just kind of wearing them. So okay. that, that was the case in Hawaii too. It just seems like it's kind of hit or miss depending on which state you're in. Depends on where you go. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on where you go. I, I, and I gotta say, I'm looking so forward to seeing how, cause I know that they won't, they won't win. I can't wait to see how the Dallas Cowboys fall. I can't wait. Cause yes, they're winning the division right now. They're going to have a home playoff game. But, man, I am looking so forward to seeing who de- defeats those Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, man. I can't wait for that. Uh, but I, if I were to ask you, Drew, this question, you did, we didn't put this in the itinerary. You do, not, you do not know this is coming. As of right now, for the Super Bowl, would you take Tom Brady and the Buccaneers or the field? The field. You would take the field. I would, too. Yeah. I mean, both of neither of us had Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl in our prediction, right? Exactly, and there's there's so many other good teams out there, and and the Bucks they've they've had bad weeks too. So yeah. it's just it's so much of it is luck, you know, with just these single games and high stake situations in the playoffs. It, it's so hard to predict who even is going to get there. Yep. To remind listeners or those who uh, weren't able to hear our first show this season, here are our Super Bowl predictions before the season started. Uh, Drew had the Los Angeles Rams playing the Buffalo Bills with the Buffalo Bills winning, if I recall. Yes. 
And I had the Baltimore Ravens playing the Green Bay Packers with the Packers winning and it being Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I still feel good about my Super Bowl prediction because I think Baltimore is, yes, better than the record shows, but at least they're, unlike the Vikings, they're, the Ravens are finding a way to win games. Like they're figuring out how to win. They know how to win. So I feel good about my prediction. Do you feel good about yours or not really? Definitely. I, I still think the Rams and Bills are two of the best teams in the NFL. Um, and it's definitely shown before this week, I would have said absolutely. Now it's just definitely. Yeah. <laughs> a little less enthusiastic about it, but I still think it's a pretty good chance. All right. So that's the standings as of uh, halfway through the season. We'll do, uh, we, we'll do rankings again in probably a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, it should be interesting how, you know, hey, the season turns around so quick because the last time we did our rankings, the Tennessee Titans weren't in the top ten for either of us. I think now they'd be near the top of the top five, <laughs> not the top three in both of our lists. So, um, Drew, why don't we get to our picks? We always pick uh, our team games. Uh, but this week, the New York Giants are on a bye, so we can't pick against the Giants. Yay. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's get into who the Jags and Bills are playing. Jacksonville is at Indianapolis. Who you got? Uh, I have Indianapolis. I I know everybody's feeling very high about the Jags. Well, not everybody, but some people are feeling high about the Jags after beating the Bills. But the Colts have had our number for a long time, and I think they have the right formula to beat us. Their run game is amazing with Jonathan Taylor, and I think Carson Wentz, he's looked good. He hasn't looked great, but he's looked good enough to beat the Jags. I said before the season that the Colts have a very tough schedule early on, um, and then as it, it, it does get kind of lighter as the season goes uh, deeper into it. So I think the Colts are a team that might squeak one of those last two playoff spots in the AFC. And I too, I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts here at home. Uh, and then we've got the bills at the jets. Yeah. I'm, the bills are going to turn around here and I think they're going to absolutely dismantle the jets, even though the jets are uh, starting the sensation that is Mike white. I am confident in bills mafia to uh, turn the, turn the tides and uh, get back in the wind column. This will be a very uh, definitive game for the Bills because I think they're going to win it. But the narrative of the Bills is going to be um, if they struggle, it's going to be while the Bills are really still slipping downhill because even though they won this game, they struggled. Um, Or it's going to be they bounce back, they win like 40 nothing like they have, and it's be like, okay, there's just a a little pothole in the road, move on, see what happens. Um, Here's an interesting game this this week because I had a hard time deciding who I was going to pick here. Seattle versus Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers coming back off of the whole drama with the, the COVID vaccine and Russell Wilson coming back playing for Seattle. That's going to be on CBS at four o'clock. It probably will be the national game in the second uh, round of games for, unless your team's playing in a particular market. Do you think that Russell Wilson, the Seahawks pull off the upset or do you think that Green Bay just puts all this drama beside them and they, they beat up on Seattle? Where is the game? Lambeau field. I think the Green Bay Packers win. Okay. Um, I I know, like, even before all of this drama and nonsense and the, the injuries and whatnot, I would have picked Seattle to win if it was in Seattle, and I would have picked uh, the Packers to win if it was in Green Bay because I know Green Bay kind of struggles every time they travel out west. No. Um, so the fact that it's being played in Lambeau is the deciding factor for me, and I'm picking Green Bay to win that game. I have a feeling Seattle's going to pull it off. That's why I, my gut's telling me Seattle's going to go in there. Russell Wilson's going to be amped up to play. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe Aaron Rodgers not being there might have him just be a little bit off. Uh, but then again, he could come out so angry about the way he's been talked about that he might just take it all out on the field and and blow out Seattle. So we'll see. I, I think it's, it's one of the games to watch this weekend for sure. I 100% agree. And I, I – I, 
I'm just going to throw this out there, Drew. If you want to take a quick road trip to Pittsburgh, our, I think our tickets from the preseason on Ticketmaster might get us in when they play the Lions <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> we might be able to get yeah. away with it. It's going to be a great game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I will say this. We got to the stadium just as the starters were on their last drive, and Pittsburgh was moving the ball with the ease against the Lions. So I predict this will be the first game where the Steelers' offense looks like a really great offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be able to tee off against the Detroit Lions, who are record-wise the worst team in the league, and I think it's arguable that they actually are the worst team in the league. And I feel bad because uh, I have a friend who's a Lions fan, and uh, I just feel bad for Lions fans in general. It seems like they're one of those hard luck teams that can't ever, can't ever get it right. Um, and, of course, they're 0-8. They're right now locked in to be the number one pick in the draft. They need a quarterback, but this is not that strong of a quarterback class and they're not a they're not a location where you know three big name quarterbacks could be moving this offseason Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Detroit is not going to be on any of their lists so (laughs) so I just I just feel bad because I don't think that that, I just don't see any positives from the Lions this year I really don't no it's uh it's definitely tough to be a Detroit fan, which is why I commend every single person out there who remains a Lions fan. I know your pain. I feel the same way as a Jaguars fan, but we'll turn it around eventually. All right, Drew, it was great to be back and doing another show. Hopefully uh, going forward, we'll be uh, throwing these out here every single week, and hopefully we'll have more positive things to say about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Giants. I have to say, this might be the first show we've had in the history of this podcast where both our teams won on the same week. <laughs> yeah, that definitely does not happen very often, if ever. So, yes, happy days for us, sad days for Bills Mafia, but I think that better days are to come for Bills Mafia, so don't you guys worry. Money Mike, is there any final words you have for our listeners? Just uh, as we record this, it is Veterans Day. Uh, thank you to all the servicemen and women who have served this country and your sacrifice, your dedication, and hard work. Uh, fighting for the freedoms that Drew and I and every civilian enjoys today. I just want to say thank you. We appreciate you and we love you. Uh, Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to Master Sergeant Angel Torres. I am Drew Torres. He is Money Mike Gilchrist. And I hope you guys all enjoy the next week of the NFL season.